The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod, and we're looking a little bit different today for a lot of different reasons. Uh, we've got a very special guest today, and then we've got some stuff that we're doing afterwards, and we didn't want to change the set. So, uh, but today is an Autism Live day here on the Autism Network, and we're thrilled to be here with you live for this next hour. And again, with a very special guest that's going to be joining us, Ling Xiao. I hope I'm saying her last name right, Xiao, is going to be with us in a little while. And she is going to be talking about a new venture that she is the CEO and founder of, Spectrum AI, and her mission to help all of us, all of you, to get to better outcomes. I think you're really going to enjoy this. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. But first, we're going to have a jargon of the day and talk about a couple of other things. But we always welcome your questions because, you know, that's my favorite thing is uh, <laughs> the interaction part of this so that I feel like we're we're on this path together. And of course, I'm saying good morning to Autism Journey with Elijah. I'm sending you a big hug. How are you? Uh, okay, so uh, want to go over a couple of the things in case you just happen to be joining us for the first time. Our mission here is to provide information and inspiration to that larger autism community. We believe that that starts the beating heart of our community are individuals who are on the autism spectrum, whether they are children, teens, adults, senior citizens. Uh, we, they're, they're the beating heart of our community. But in our community, we include everyone who loves those individuals because we feel that together we are stronger and that we can fight for the rights of those individuals for them to be able to do what they want to do, when they want to do, how they want to do it. Yeah? Um, Good morning to Writing with Mike. So thrilled that you're here this morning. Uh, glad to have both of you here. Um, I do want to say that we have many experts, and I'm going to be welcoming an expert on the show today, but I uh, don't count, do not count myself as one of the experts. I am a very proud pony, a parent of a neurodiverse individual. I love and adore my son, and I'm very excited because I'm getting to go on a trip with him this weekend, and we haven't gotten to do that in a long time. Uh, and he's my favorite person to travel with. I, I love my husband too, and he's fun to travel with, but I gotta be honest, my son's funner. And I can remember a time when I mourned and thought, will I ever be able to enjoy that kind of time with my son? So if there's anybody who's out there that is in the early years of this, that maybe you just got the diagnosis or you've been at this for maybe a year, you've gotten the diagnosis and you're looking at that question mark in the future about where are we going to end up, I just want to say you pack your bag for hope, 
right? Set your expectations high. Let's do everything that we can. Everybody's outcome is different, but it's worth it. It's worth it to be helping your child to your child, your teen or adult to learn new skills and be able to apply them because eventually that leads to being incredibly capable and that capable looks different to a bunch of different people, right? What I am capable at, it may not be what you're capable at, but we all want to feel capable, right? Um, my mother, good morning, Kay. My mom uh, was born with both of her feet backwards, clubfoot, and had surgeries her whole life. I, my mother was always in a wheelchair or crutches or at the very least, limping around our house and people use the word handicapped and disabled and it would fatuts my mother <laughs> she would, she was like well what are we talking about i'm very capable um there are some things i can't do but there are a whole lot more things that i can do that's how i was raised that's in my dna um and i like looking at it that way so let's let's get you know you or the person that you love on the spectrum is capable in the areas that they want to be capable because that's that's where joy is and that's where good self-esteem is. So anyway, we're going to be talking about outcomes today, which is a really powerful thing for me to talk about. And I'm thrilled. Uh, I got to meet Ling at a conference that was done by the Autism Partnership Foundation, who I just love. And I got to meet Ling and she was amazing. And she helped me to get to meet John Lithgow. So that was really fun. Uh, and then I got to talk with her about what she was doing and said, oh, we got to have you on the show. All right. Uh, you, if you're watching us live right now, we're live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and about a dozen other sites. Traven is starting to show those to you now. Remember, there are many different ways to watch the show. Some of you watch live, and we love when you interact live and you write in on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, because then I can see it here on my screen, and I can say hello to you, and I feel like I'm not a crazy woman in a room talking by myself. Uh, which, you know, happens sometimes, but I, I prefer it to be that we are having a conversation and I want to know what's going on for you and what you need and, and all those things. It literally jazzes me. It's my reason for being here, right? Um, but for many of you, we know that you can't watch live and that you miss that live interaction, but we want you to get the good information. So when the show is not live, it's available in a couple of different formats. You can be watching the live recorded version with video and audio, and you can watch that on YouTube. In particular, there's a live tab that you guys can go to to see all the entire show as it ran live, right? Um, but then we have highlight clips because sometimes you don't have time for the jargon. Some people love the jargon. Some people are like, yep, nope, don't need that anymore, whatever. I want to get right to the interview. So we have highlights where we just have the jargon and we just have the guest, right? So you can check out the playlists and find the things that you want. But many of you, probably the vast majority of you, like to listen to this uh, show in podcast format, it, just audio only, because you want to take it with you walking or in the car. We get it. We want to be available. How we want this information to be available when you want it, how you want it, and um, including hi Anna, uh, including if you want it ad free or you want it just free. So uh, it is available as a podcast download, a free podcast download, wherever you get your podcasts, and including iHeartRadio, Spotify, all of those places. You guys know them much more than I do. But we have a new feature. In the last couple of years, we started adding 
advertisements to our podcast. That's what keeps the lights on. I think you guys know the drill with that. We appreciate those sponsors. We appreciate you listening to those sponsors. If that's not your thing, and many of you have reached out and said, we'd really like to have a version that doesn't have it, we're willing to pay a small monthly fee for that, you can do that now on glow, G-L-O-W dot F-M slash Autism Live. If you go there, you can subscribe. It's $5 a month. Or if you want to do it for the year, they'll, we will give you a discount because we don't have to pay the fee every time they swipe your card every month. So up to you, whatever your preference is, but if you would like an ad-free version that is available to you. And when you do that, you get all of them, including Ask Dr. Doreen. Uh, I don't I don't know if that that's forever, but for, for now, it definitely is. I do want to tell you that if you are subscribing to our podcast on whatever platform you are on, and that's how you get it, very soon, you will have to subscribe also to the Ask Dr. Doreen. Those are free subscriptions, by the way. Um, you'll have to, subs- because we're, we're having them be separate podcasts. There's just too much information in libraries, and we need to do that, and it needs to stand alone because it's so fabulous. So um, if you, you should be a fan of Ask Dr. Doreen, please subscribe to that podcast so that you make sure that you get that feed. So thrilled that you're all here and I'm saying good morning to all of you. We want to get right to the jargon of the day so that we can get to our guest on time. You know, we do jargon of the day. Um, usually, we used to do it almost every day, but now we do it on Wednesdays. And what we do is first we give you the actual definition that we get from some sort of expert source. And then we make fun of that often because it's so filled with so much more jargon and you can't, unless you already have a degree with multiple letters after your name, it's unlikely that you would understand it out the gate. So then we give you the, the, after the actual definition, we give you a somewhat watered down definition where we try to use less jargon, although that's not true today. And I'm going to give an asterisk with that. Um, And then we try to give you an example of why this would be important and fit into your life. Why is this something that you should even care about? Because I'm a big believer in not wasting people's time. But I do pick these terms because I think that if you know what they are, they're going to help you. My motto is, can I save them five minutes and five dollars if they know this? And if it passes that litmus test, then we're talking about it here on the show. So today's jargon term is ABC data or data, however you choose to say it. Uh, And it's funny because I don't think we've ever done this specific jargon before because usually what we talk about is the three-term contingency. But it occurred to me and somebody said, but sometimes people don't say, oh, well, we're doing this and it's the three-term contingency. They say, let's take some ABC data on it. And then, you know, if you're a parent, you're like, hmm, what? What are we doing? I don't really know what that means. So let's, it, it is talking about the three-term contingency and it's just keeping track of it. So let's take a look at what our actual definition, which uh, today it came from behaviorist.com. Uh, ABC data is the antecedent behavior consequence. ABC data model is uh, a strategy, strategy used to change student behaviors. Interesting. It's used to identify behavior triggers, behavioral actions, and consequences of behavior in order to change problem behaviors. I don't hate this definition. Can I tell you? I, I don't hate it. Um, if I don't understand what this is, it's still going to be hard. But once I begin to understand, this is a pretty accessible 
definition. But let's take a look at the watered down version where I added jargon in and I did it for a very specific reason because we talk about the three-term contingency all the time. ABC data, keeping track of behaviors by looking at what happened right before the behavior. That's the antecedent. What the behavior was, which the experts will call it the topography of the behavior, and what happened as a result of the behavior, which is the consequence. So it's the ABC, antecedent behavior consequence. The goal is to see patterns and why the behavior is happening, which the behavior is called the function of the behavior. Okay, so anybody can take ABC data. You can start taking ABC data today. And let me tell you, it's one of the first things that usually I say to a parent before they start ABA therapy, before they do anything, so that they begin to understand behavior. Because usually when I'm talking to a parent who hasn't started therapies yet, they're going to be on a waiting list and it's going to take a little while. And I talk to them about your, your child is doing things because there's a reason. It's not random. I know a lot of people come in and go, no, they're doing random stuff. And, I, you know, I used to think that too. And, and then wonderful behavior has said to me, no, behavior is not random, especially if it's repeated. There is a reason for it. And we have a right, uh, we have a responsibility and our children have a right to be, for us to fight to try to understand what the reason is. And here's the good news. If you understand what the reason is, then you have some choices of how to morph the behavior into something that isn't challenging, but that the person still gets the need met. That's what ABC data is all about. So I often um, do this on the show where I'll just take out a piece of paper and, and I fold it into threes. Now I did this on cardstock so that it, I could use it again multiple times because I always have to, you know, do this. And I'm often doing it on ragged sheets of paper. But I used to walk around and have one of these in my pocket. Like we would go to the park and I would have one of these in my pocket. Now you can do this on your phone. They have apps. And for those of you who are technologically inclined, you know, you can do that that way. I'm sometimes very low tech and this worked for me because I could have this in my pocket and it reminded me because it was in my pocket that this was an important thing that I was doing for me as a parent, for my child to understand what he wanted and to give to the experts so that they could discern patterns of what was happening. So I've got my three columns here, right? A is for the antecedent, which remember that's what happens before. Something happens and then we get a behavior. And then after the behavior, we get a consequence. That's the three-term contingency. And I know I used to say, well, I don't think that's true of everything. And then play with it a little bit. Ask yourself, okay, what did I just do? That was, I just did something, a behavior. What was the antecedent and what was the consequence? And you'll go, huh, we're all walking around doing these little behavior chains all day, right? Um, and so is your kid or your teen or your adult on the autism spectrum. And knowing what these three things are is going to lead you to understand a lot of different things. So I would carry this around in my pocket. And when something would happen, I would immediately focus on the behavior and, and, and try to be uh, like a court reporter going, okay, what's he doing right now? He's swiping things, he's yelling, he's throwing things, right? And I would start to think of it that way. I would ask myself, do I need to do anything to keep him or the people around him safe? 
but what am I going to write down when I get back to my paper? I was not writing on the paper while the behavior was happening, but I was remembering it like a court reporter because I knew I was going to write it down there. And that was key during the behavior. Then afterwards, when the behavior is over, I become a detective and I think back, and this is imperfect, but you know, it still is good and effective to think back, okay, what happened right before the behavior? Did I ask him to put his shoes on? Did I put, take away a toy from him? Did I put a demand on him that wasn't the shoes? Did somebody walk by with something that he wanted? Was there a loud noise? Something happened. And I love whenever I'm talking to a parent, uh, I remember when I had this mental shift, something happens at school and the teacher says to you, oh, well, today Rebecca did this. And the very first question that you want to ask is, what happened right before? And a lot of times the teacher will be like, well, I don't know, but you know, she hit somebody. Yeah, but what happened before? Because that's key, right? Something happened, then there was the behavior, and we want to say what the, really describe the behavior, or they call it the topography of the behavior. What did it look like? What were they doing? How long did it last? All of those things. And then, then you want to write down what was the consequence? What happened afterwards? Did they take a nap? Did you give them a cookie? Uh, did we get lots of hugs and cuddle time? A lot of times people get very paranoid about this and go, oh, some, somebody's going to tell me I didn't give the right consequence. Don't stress about that. How about if we just say we're going to take the data and see if the data will help us? And then once you've done one set of behavior, you draw a line and then you add more, right? I used to have this in my pocket and, and write in it all the time. I will challenge all of you to do this for one day, that if something comes up, that, and you won't do it in the moment, but you'll do it, you can do it later on, but it's best to do it as quick after as possible because your memory is gonna be the freshest, right? But write the stuff down and see what patterns are there. And I started to notice, oh, we are having behavior every day at two o'clock, regardless of what we're doing. What are we eating at noon that's causing a problem at two? It isn't just about behavior, right? Sometimes it's that the trigger is something in the environment. And we found that there were food allergies. It could be that one of the times it was that we were having a tantrum at the exact same place in the exact same store every time. And we found out that it was the floor tile. The floor tile went from being smooth to a grid and he thought he was gonna fall through the grid. We could deal with it then once we knew what it was. ABC data, is a powerful tool. You can use it, you can see patterns, but even better, if you take ABC data and you give it to the person who is the BCBA on your team, they can discern even more patterns from it. It really is the first step to a whole lot of sanity. And it's something that's respectful because it takes into consideration what was it that they wanted? It doesn't say, oh, this is, you know, they're just behaving badly. What was it that they wanted? What was it they needed? Can we give it to them in a way that isn't harmful to them? I love ABC data. I'm not a big data person. I don't like to take data. I like to be in the moment. This really um, super helpful. Hi, Huma. So great that you're here. Uh, oh, Mike, I'm so glad that you're doing it with her now uh, and with him. Uh, that's amazing. 
Good on you. And Kay says, I always have a pocket notebook ready to, uh, to with the definition of ABC for reference in case behavior happens. And it's so helpful. It is. And can I tell you one more thing, and then we're going to get to our guests, that's really helpful about it, is that before I had ABC data, when my son would start to engage in behavior, I would start to freak out. Because in my head, I would stack. I would be like, oh, no, he's doing it. I'm not going to know what to do. Oh, the people are all looking at us. They all think I'm a bad parent. They think he's a monster. I'm sure I'm not doing it right. What if this is the rest of our lives? Boom, ba-doom, ba-doom. And then, you know, I'm a mess and in tears thinking about, is this the rest of our lives? Whereas when I could think like a court reporter and go, okay, what is he doing? Oh, that's interesting. He's throwing things. Do I need to worry about that right now? No, we're in a safe place. He can throw things. It helped me to manage and go, that's just behavior. That doesn't change him, me, you know, anything else. And eventually I got to the point where I was like, that's behavior and we know what to do about behavior. And there's something that he wants right now. What is it that he wants right now? Which is a much happier space to be in as a parent than thinking, oh no, is it never going to get better? What are people thinking of me and my parenting? Which you know I think is none of my business. But, um, it gives you a job to do while the behavior is happening that's productive so that your brain doesn't go swirly-whirly-giggy into other places where it should not go. Uh, autism journey with Elijah. Oh, those popsicles. I think he got it yesterday. He asked twice and figured out I, I meant no. It felt so good. Thanks for the advice. I'm so glad that it's working out and helping And because um, he is a sweet little customer. I love to see pictures of him. He is just a love. Anyway, uh, it is time for us to welcome our guest today. And she's the only guest today because I'm so excited to talk with her. And she's got a lot that she's going to talk with us about. So Ling Xiao is the founder and CEO of Spectrum AI. It is a digital health startup that develops innovative solutions for life-changing therapies. She has extensive experience in the payer, provider, and digital health space. And she is a mom with experience uh, with autism spectrum. We'll let her tell her story about that. She has a deep-rooted passion for democratizing access to high-quality care for families like hers. We love that. Uh, prior to Spectrum AI, she uh, was part of a rapidly accelerated revenue growth at two other digital health startups, most recently as the chief commercial officer of Bui Health and previously as the SVP of Strategic Solutions of Amwell. This is where I start to just feel like a schlub because this is a mom who's getting a lot done. She also spent over a decade at United Health Group in various leadership roles ranging from the national employer sales and account manager to clinical business development for the dual eligible Medicaid and Medicare population, the things she must know. Uh, she started her career as a senior consultant with Booz Allen Hamilton and, and, uh, and a research nurse at Massachusetts General Hospital. Prior to finishing college, she served in the U.S. Army as a sergeant and a nurse. She holds, get ready for this, an MBA from Harvard University and a BS in nuclear engineering with a minor in biomedical engineering from MIT. Uh, she was awarded Glamour Magazine's Top 10 College Women and spends most of her spare time teaching her sons how to play ice hockey. I mean, 
does it get better than that? Let's welcome Ling Xiao, founder and CEO of Spectrum AI. Hi, Shannon. It's an honor to be here. And um, it's uh, sort of embarrassing to hear that long bio. Um, and well, it's intimidating to the rest of us. I'm like, I got to get a second job. This woman's <laughs> moving and shaking. Uh, well, but it's lovely. You should you should revel in your accomplishments. It's wonderful. I will tell you that none of those things were as hard or have been as hard um, as being a parent to kids in the spectrum, nor have they been as rewarding. So I love that you started off your segment, you know, with a really powerful message about hope. Um, and I would just say that, you know, to all the parents out there, you know, the rest of my resume might sound amazing, but they're doing probably the hardest thing that, you know, that I've done in my career. So it's, you know, just to help them understand what level they're functioning at. And then also, um, you know, I, I loved your, you know, packing your suitcase for, you know, Journey of Hope because um, there are just incredible moments that I think only we as parents to kids on the spectrum can savor because we are so grateful for those, you know, moments where um, most people take for granted and that's kind of sad, you know, they miss those moments to be grateful. Absolutely. Man, uh, you know, I, I love, I could just listen to you forever because you're so eloquent. So tell us a little bit about, you know, we've, we've, we've heard a little bit about your story, but um, tell us what you choose to tell us about being a parent. Sure. Uh, so I have um, four boys, uh, multiple on the spectrum and uh, all over the place on the spectrum. So they have their own, uh, each had their own journeys, all started off um, very, very severe. So Several of my kids, I was told, um, would never talk. And, you know, I think um, in in kindness, uh, the diagnosticians uh, wanted to ensure they had a reasonable expectation. Um, and, you know, it turns out that um, I'm pretty stubborn. And so I chose not to believe them and really um, push my kids and myself um, and try to create the right environment for them really looked out there to find out who are the best providers and teachers and you know anything that could be helpful for my kids in their development and i'm really glad you started the segment with uh you know collecting uh, abc data because that's one of the things i is the foundation really of aba um and i started my journey for this startup because uh i realized that you know collecting data while it's the foundation we need that data to be good detectives it is something that's incredibly manual and difficult for providers to do and it eats up a lot of their um, session time and as an engineer um, and with all that you know background in digital health um, i'm aware of a lot of technology uh, and solutions that can aid and assist them so why would we not automate uh, as much of that data collection and paperwork as we possibly can so that the therapists can really focus their energy on working with our kids and um, teaching them the much needed social communication skills so they can show us what you know amazing individuals they are um, and so uh, that was really the genesis of our company we essentially have uh, an electronic medical record for the therapists, both the RBTs um, and the BCBAs, and frankly, anyone that works with um, with our kids. And what it's tracking is the um, exactly what you're talking about in ABC data, which is what are the antecedents, what are the actual behaviors, um, you know, what's their response to the consequences, because 
we're all trying to just figure out why, you know, what precipitated the, um, the behaviors and what can we do to motivate and help our kids um, uh, communicate in the most appropriate and frankly effective way. So we use a lot of, um, our tech is really around the automation of that data collection. So, you know, it's reducing paperwork and administrative burden on the providers, which I'm sure is um, music to many of their ears. But it's also how do we share that data with the, you know, the payer? So that's the health insurance company, the employer, and even the parents, right? How can we as the consumer um, and the, you know, who, and whoever is you know, paying the bills, receiving data that shows that there's actually good outcomes because that's what's really going to rally the entire industry, all of the different players um, around outcomes and not this, I think I would say what today is a very adversarial relationship between all the different parties where there's a lot of mistrust and um, what we really aim to do with our technology and the, and the data sharing is, you know, I'll keep harping on this is two things is one is transparency right? What's happening in the session? What progress is the child making? And, you know, what are the protocols that are working or not working? And then accountability. So how can we help ensure that providers are really getting outcomes, that we're motivating them to get outcomes, and that we're giving them all the tools? Um, and so, you know, in a bit, we can talk about um, some of the uh, insurance changes we're trying to push with this better transparency so that they uh, are going to micromanage the sessions less, meaning, um you know, not get involved as much in you know, how many supervision hours you're getting this month versus next month. And, you know, how do I apply this very broad brush protocol to every child in every moment, which, you know, as parents, we know our kids' behaviors go up and down. Um, and so it's been really an incredible journey. Um, we've gotten some in amazing uh, early provider partners and uh, health insurance, national health insurance carriers that, you know, have put their money where their mouth is and said, hey, we want to we want to go down this journey with you and really focus on align everyone around outcomes and not this, you know, kind of mountains of paperwork we have been doing for the last, you know, 10, 20 years. Um, and then lastly, just also um, an incredible team that is so mission driven and passionate um, about, you know, our families and our kids. Uh, along with just um, investors that I never thought would really um, be so motivated and enthusiastic. Um, so it's just been an incredible journey for me um, as both a mom and a founder to to know that we are already making such huge progress and gaining awareness around how can we help um, all of the families that are impacted by this and specifically all the children um, who really uh, – could be so much more, I think, than, you know, what people are expecting of them today. So again, just loved your message about hope in the beginning and, and really letting our kids shine because there's so much, um, there's so much there. And, you know, and by the way, my kids who many of which I told, uh, I was told was nonverbal, my, my little guy, by the way, still is uh, nonverbal, no receptive or expressive language, but we're hopeful uh, because his older three brothers, um, you know, are now all chatterbugs and, uh, sometimes my husband and I joke that we, you know, we we uh, over-index and they're talking too much now. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you know, I uh, I I have a lot of hope, and I think it really is all about how can we improve the providers' lives and really get everybody aligned on quality and outcomes. I have to tell you, so many times in my journey, uh, you know, you come up against things and you hear about things, or something changes. 
and there were a lot of times that I would look at something and I would go, okay, uh, I, that is not my path to fix that, but I'm going to hope and pray that there are brighter minds somewhere that are working on that. And I'm going to, I'm going to rely on that. And honestly, I met you and I was like, oh, you're one of those brighter minds that's working on that. And I'm very grateful because I can't, you know, I, when the, when we shifted, cause I'm, my, I'm that old and my child is that old that we were always, there was no insurance funding when my son was being treated. And we, I was one of the people who was fighting and saying that needs to happen. I didn't think it was going to happen in my lifetime. Yep. And then it did. And, and then it brought new problems And some problems that are just problems that need to be figured out because ABA is a very data-driven science. It it says we want to look at the data to figure out what we want to do next. And insurance is a very data-driven thing too that says, hey, we want to see that what you're doing is what you said you were doing and that it's having an effect. But I, I see that the industry really has struggled for how to do that within this, how to make these two things work together. And I, and as soon as I talked to you, I was like, oh, she's, she's one of those brighter minds. She's figuring it out. And I, and I feel like, so now you've created this company and the company is Spectrum AI, but you have these two separate products. Talk to us about what these two products are and who are they for? Sure. Um, well, I mean, the two products is really just exactly what you said is a way to bring that data from the providers to the payers. And, you know, you mentioned, I'm glad you called out that, you know, when your son was um, first getting ABA, there was no insurance coverage. And that really tells you how young and, you know, in its infancy, our industry really is. So um, most payers are just now getting their arms around, you know, we started covering this uh, benefit in the beginning, it was a very manual process and it and still unfortunately is. And what they're missing is tools that can automate how they collect uh, not just one, you know, uh, data case by case, which they're doing today. So um, they what they really need. And when you're starting to look at when you're an insurance company you need to look at the aggregate data across all of a provider's um, uh, patients so you can see, you know, is this provider making more or less progress than, you know, the provider down the street or the provider in the next state. That's how they are able to measure, right, who is that top quartile or that bottom quartile providers and who do they need to give more assistance or help with or try to figure out what's preventing that provider from making the same progress as, you know, those around them. So the two pieces of the data that fit together is all of the data that's being collected in the electronic medical record, you know, by the RBTs, by the BCBAs, those with the consent of the provider get fed to um, your their in-network insurance companies and it allows the insurance companies to do exactly what I just mentioned, which is to get the aggregate data to figure out, you know, how do I compare provider to provider and figure out, you know, for the really, really great providers, how do I give them, you know, more incentive to keep doing the incredible job they're doing and really, you know, let go of the reins a little bit so I'm not micromanaging them. And for the providers that are really struggling, whether it's because they're new or, you know, because simply there's not enough of them in a specific region and they're just overworked, how can I help and encourage those providers to really step it up as well? So, Again, you know, harping back to the transparency and accountability, the two sides just need to have more transparency with one another so they can hold each other accountable. Um, And from the payer side, one of the reasons that, you know, you're probably hearing a lot of your providers complain about just 
how much paperwork they and data, right, that they collect and then have to submit. It's simply because on the payer side right now, it's a very um, manual process. And so they're just trying to get through it as quickly as they can, but they're doing it case by case and they don't have um, a, a very, um, I would say, uh, you know, aggregate way of seeing if one provider is truly better than another and who needs help. Um, and so you're seeing a lot of, um, we call the payer side administrative denials because someone just filled out a paperwork wrong, which I can tell you as a parent is unbelievably frustrating, but it's frustrating for the payer as well because, you know, it just means a lot of extra paperwork and they're really trying to ensure, um, I know people don't give them any credit for this, but they're trying to ensure your safety and that your kids are getting, um, you know, treatment from highly qualified providers. So um, it's kind of a blame game circle right now that doesn't frankly help anyone. And so what we're really excited about is we found incredible sponsors on the payer, provider, employer side. Um, and many of them are, have been to conferences this year with us. And we're just excited to see how the field will improve um, as we start to lay the foundations of true collaboration. Yeah, I think, you know, there are probably two different types of parents that we have watching, some that are already doing ABA and they understand the heartache and the headache that you're talking about because they've been through denials, they've been through reauthorizations, and it, and they feel the, ugh, you know, my child doesn't have therapy today because something isn't approved and I don't understand what happened and why can't reasonable, rational people sit and talk? Then there are other people that may be watching that haven't yet started ABA and this all just sounds rational to them. Uh, <laughs> that like, why why can't we have it be this way? It sort of is the, the utopia and it's the thing that makes sense mm-hmm. um, that, you know, if, if what we're all about is making sure that the child is getting good quality ABA therapy that leads to good outcomes, then all of this would just make sense. And it feels like a necessary cog in the wheel that's going to make the whole machine work. But I'm just glad you showed up because you're making sense. Uh, <laughs> and not everybody does in this field, Link. We have to say that. Okay. So let's, and, and, uh, Trayvon, I believe we have a video that we could play in the background without the sound as we're talking. Let's talk a little bit about what the experience, because the two products are called Twill and Patterns, correct? That's right. Yep. And let's talk a little bit about what it's like for the BCBA and for that registered behavior technician who is you know, actually doing the therapy. What is the experience like for them and how is it helpful for them? And if we're able to run the video in the background, we will. Okay, sure. So um, I'll, I'll assume for the parents who've never even seen what an ABA session is, we'll, we'll start at the beginning. So um, if you've ever seen an ABA session, or for those of you who have not, it really looks like the therapist is just, you know, playing with your child um, and they're running a protocol. They're maybe like trying to um, get your child to match pictures, right? Uh, my four-year-old, they were just trying to, he has no language, so they're, they're trying to teach him how to point. And so what they were doing is trying to motivate him and get him excited about a certain toy or whatever it was he was interested in so he could point to the thing he wanted. And what they were counting was the number of times during, you know, like a full day, right? So you're talking like six, eight hours of, you know, how many times, you know, per hour or per whatever the time segment was that he would point uh, independently. At the same time, they were also uh, counting some of his uh, more maladaptive behavior. So um, he would, uh, you know, bang his head on the ground or, you know, have a tantrum because he was frustrated. He couldn't communicate and he wanted something, but he didn't know how to ask for it. Like he didn't know how to point. 
Um, and so they're accounting, you know, how many times a day he would bang his head. And, you know, this is pretty severe, you know, to the point where like he has a little uh, bone callus on his forehead because oh. he hit himself so much. And so, you know, both the, you know, us, obviously me as a parent, but also the therapist, they're trying really, really hard to just find another more appropriate way he can communicate his frustration besides actually hurting himself. And so they're actually counting, you know, how many times during the day and what the frequency is of him um, hitting his head um, or other aggressive behaviors, right? Where, um, you know, he would scratch himself. And so he'd come home with like bruises and scratches. And sometimes he would even try to bite or scratch the therapist, right? So these are the kind of behaviors that we're all working towards um, reducing. And that's the data they're collecting. And then, um, Shannon, to your point, they're also trying to collect what were the antecedents, what happened before, right? These behaviors happened. Um, you know, what did the, how what was the duration of the tantrum? How long did he try to bang his head? Um, so the, that's all the data they're collecting. And today, um, for, you know, if you you know everyone's gone to their primary care physician, right? So most electronic medical records look like what your PCP is using. So if you go into the room, you know, they're like barely looking at you. They're typing away in the corner, looking somewhere else. Yeah. And you know, that type of uh, uh, medical record is not appropriate for our field because, you know, here you have a child that is aggressive, that, you know, is harming themselves, that may be running out of the room. So the therapist can't like turn their back and, you know, write down all this stuff. Um, so what ends up happening in a lot of places is either they're not collecting enough data or all the data, or they're kind of like writing it down on a piece of scrap paper, or worse, they're trying to remember or, and try to recall after the end of the session what happened right. and, and document all of that. And, you know, I love that you started this segment with just, you know, carrying around that piece of paper. And sadly, I've actually seen therapists do the exact same thing. And yeah. in this modern age, that that is horrific for me as a parent yeah. to think how wasteful of an effort and how inefficient and inaccurate that is. And if the whole field is really based on collecting accurate data and to your point, you know, being this detective, then we have to arm the therapists, the RBTs, the BCBAs with as much technology as possible that helps them, right, remove all of the kind of cumbersome um, and just kind of wasted labor that they're putting into data collection. And then even on top of that, um, what we're, uh, we are working on in tools and building is leveraging um, AI to recognize these patterns. So you talked about how difficult it is, right, to see these patterns and just share the data. Um, and the superpower of AI is pattern recognition, right? It's like um, some of the things uh, even that I struggled with as a parent uh, to recognize in patterns is um, when you have like layered antecedents. So it wasn't like the last thing that caused Right. That was the cause. It's like this, uh, you know, over a 10 minute period, this evolution of things that really just pissed my kid off or that really yep. he was frustrated with that. It's as a human, it's really hard to like see that pattern. But um, the beauty of AI is that it's incredibly good at recommending, like, was it this sequence of events? Was it this one? And so it's like a sort of think of it as like a, um, a cheat sheet for the therapists and to say, you know, give them some more options of determining which ones, which series of events really led up to, right, that explosion. And, um, you know, it, it's nothing like, you know, uh, um, sort of the, the scary AI in our minds, like it's not deciding for the therapist right. why the kid is behaving this way. It's really just recommending to them, hey, here's some patterns we see. Um, and that's my vision for where we're going to go as a company. It's, you know, we're starting off as data collection and just making the therapist's lives easier. 
by collecting data in session in an easier way, um, you know, where they don't have to take their eyes off your kid. But long term, it's really aggregating all that data so that we can start seeing patterns better and augmenting um, the day-to-day -day sessions of the therapist, the RBTs and the BCBAs are just recommending, hey, here are some patterns that we're seeing, you know, um, use different protocols to figure out, is that really, is that the, ante the true antecedent of what's causing the behavior or is it not? Um, and then what rewards work better or worse, right? What consequences lead to change behavior change? Because, you know, like you said, this is all a detective game. And if it's really data-driven, then why not use the most advanced tools we have as a society to help our kids make progress as quickly as possible? Wonderful. So one of the things that we saw, because um, there, there's a demo video that you guys have, and, and we've been playing portions of it, and in an ideal world, it would have matched exactly what you were talking about, but let's <laughs> talk, but, but we don't live in an ideal world. So let's talk about some of the things um, that in the beginning, what you saw was how quickly and easy somebody just logs into it, how it's private. Um, and then you saw a screen that was really meant for, I think, the BCBAs, where mm -hmm. they can see all their clients. And one of the things that I was struck by when I watched is that for each one of the sessions there, it very clearly defined for the BCBAs what is in progress, what they've already written all the notes for, what they could join right now, what still requires notes. Because when they're managing a lot of kids with having a lot of sessions, just to be able to quickly see here is where my workload still is, I mm -hmm. think that, first of all, is a really great, great aspect, right? Yep. Um, but then from there, we started to see where, um, where it's totally customizable. Because mm -hmm. I do think when you say AI, people go, oh, we're not going to be in charge anymore. Um, yes. but, but it still allows the supervisors um, to, to totally customize for the child. It's not taking away that. But it does have prompts for different things. In fact, one of the things that we saw in one of the, the uh, full screen video things was about which level of prompt were you using for the child. That is a prompt for the person <laughs> about which prompt are you using for the child. So um, I do think that in all the ways that it can be helpful and fill in the blanks, it's almost like, and this is an inelegant way of putting it, but it's like a Mad Lib. Do you know uh, what I mean? It can, it can be. And in fact, you can actually create your own Mad Lib if I'm following that analogy. So go. all of those treatment plans, um, those were written by the BCBA. So you can write in whatever you'd like. Um, you know, there's obviously a template library. So you can pick from, you know, things that other people have used or that maybe your agencies has um, as a best practice. But you, you can 100% write in whatever treatment plan you think as a BCBA is the most appropriate for that child. And 100% agreed, right? Every scenario, every situation is different. The kids are different. So, um, but uh, you can also use templates. So that part is like, uh, it is a little bit like if you use the Mad Libs analogy, you can use it as Mad Libs. You can also write your own. And then what's important in um, for the BCBS to not only see the progress of their notes, um, but also uh, we do have the option of recording uh, video and audio of the sessions, which is really incredible because um, and I saw this as a parent many, many times, you know, uh, when the BCBAs dropped in for their supervision, it's funny, those are the moments where your kids like exactly decide not to exhibit the behaviors that you've all been talking about that you yep. want the BCBA to see, right? It's like a Murphy's law. So um, imagine now that when you're recording the sessions, 
you can point to the exact time, right? Like, hey, here was the moment where, you know, my kid really lost it and started hurting themselves, but we couldn't figure out what the antecedent actually was, or if it was a layered antecedent. And that's where you can have um, that, you know, you, you're talking about, you, you're thinking it through in your head, but just imagine if your therapist could actually watch, right? And the entire team, they can watch the video of what happened, what were the behaviors that led up to it. That I think is a really powerful thing. And that, by the way, is also what could help payers, um, you know, process and approve and authorize uh, payments better and faster because it gives them the assurance and transparency that, you know, the providers are indeed working on what they said they're working on. The kid is indeed making progress, um, as they have said. And you know, one of the things we didn't touch on is um, one of the core reasons why um, this the coordination hasn't and collaboration hasn't been as good as we as parents would like to see is there's no third party evidence that uh, can prove to the payer or even to the parent right you know did you get the outcomes you said you would get it's not like in other um, medical treatments where there's a blood test or an MRI we can prove like hey this thing got better um, in our field unfortunately it's really the therapist's word uh, and you just have to take their word for it. And so that's that's hard uh, for a payer to just hang their hat and their payments on, you know, I'm just going to accept whatever the, you know, the provider says they did and however they think that the kid improved. Yeah, I love hearing about it from your point of view with your experience with insurance, because I just tend to get frustrated. I think with a, like a lot of parents, I get frustrated with the insurance. And I forget that part of it is, is this is such a new thing to them that they don't entirely get it. I just sometimes see that they're standing in the way. I love that you're the brighter mind, that you're figuring out how to translate between the two so that the payers, because I do think that part of it is, is that they want to be responsible and ethical. Mm -hmm. And and listen, I want them to be responsible and ethical too. I don't want them to be funding some of this, a, this stuff that's called ABA that we all know is not ABA. I want that caught and nipped because um, yep. it's not helping anyone and it's wasting kids and parents' time. So I love that you're collaborating. I, I'm glad you're in charge of that, Ling. I'm, I, I would not be somebody to be in charge. We're starting to run low on time. So I want to, one of the things that you talk about with AI is this human in the loop development. Tell me what that is, because I'm unfamiliar with that. <laughs> so human in the loop is, um, it's the AI is a supplement for the human who is actually performing the services. So um, there's a couple of different ways to use AI. One is like where you just assume you let the AI be in charge, right? That's more like the self-driving cars are completely autonomous. You don't need to, right? You're not involved at all. Human loop, if we go with the driving analogy, is more like, you know, nowadays um, in a lot of the newer cars, they have like lane assists where it's not like the car is driving for you, but it's just giving you a little prompt like, hey, you're you know, veering out of your lane, which, you know, if you're a parent uh, with kids on the spectrum and, you know, they're not behaving in the back of the car, that happens more likely or more often than we'd like to admit. So think of human loop uh, AI as more like lane assist, where we're using technology behind the scenes to give you these prompts that should help you, but it doesn't take over your driving. You're still driving the car. The, so in our case, the provider is still the one making all the clinical decisions. They're the ones with the expertise. We're giving simply using AI and technology behind the scenes as a tool that says, let me improve how easy it is for you to document. Let me help you with some of the data analytics and show you based on, you know, uh, the, you know, the uh, software doing the calculations, 
how we think the kid's progressing. And here are some patterns that the software is picking up. And you as a provider may or may not choose to act on that, or you may or may not decide that that's accurate or not accurate. That's human loop. So it's more assisted driving versus autonomous driving. Okay. I love that. Um, and, and we touched on this briefly, but how are you, how are you specifically working with insurance companies and even employers to change mm -hmm. this current dynamic? Yeah. Um, so again, you know, I know many parents who at least have gone down the path of insurance uh, have faced denials and it's been frustrating. And by the way, ironically, I, I have as well, even though I, I worked for an insurer for a long time. And believe me, it's not malice. It's just exactly what you said. It's just, it's a new field. We're all learning and it's better, you know, transparency of data and holding the providers accountable for delivering the results, which, you know, we as parents want. Um, and what's been incredible is you have to imagine there's a lot of employers out there um, they're the ones who actually pay the ultimate bill, right, for all of your treatment. So it's not the insurance company necessarily that's paying for it. Most people are covered by what's called self-funded um, uh, employers. It means your employer is the one paying the medical bills, and they're simply using the insurance company to administer the claim, set up the network. Um, and so you have to imagine employers, I mean, they care deeply about their employees and want what's best for these families. And many of the folks who sit in the benefits team, the HR teams, they're personally impacted by autism as well, whether it's their own children, their grandkids, or, you know, their niece or nephews, and they want to do the right thing. And it's unbelievably, you know, I, I think uh, hurtful that, you know, for them to feel like, hey, we're getting in the way of these families. That's not at all their intention. If anything, they're trying to go out of their way to help um, and they've been part of the reason why we've seen a lot of this insurance change in coverage. Um, and so we're super excited that, you know, we found a few of these employers. Um, I think eBay is the one that I can announce because they have been on stage with us. So these self-funded employers like eBay have raised their hand and said, hey, this is an important topic for us. We want the payers to really um, innovate and improve their process because we want to get our families better access and faster access, but not just to anyone, right? Not the bad ABA providers, you know, you were just mentioning, Shannon, we're talking about the ones that really are willing to sign up for better transparency of data because they're high quality providers, right? And they're not afraid to share the data. They actually want to share the data so that they can more easily get um, enough care and like the right amount of care and have the flexibility right, to go up or down, let's say on, you know, supervision hours or how many hours of services a kid needs every month, really take ownership of, hey, you know, um, give me the reins as a provider, give me ownership, and I will get the outcomes that everybody wants. Um, but get rid of, you know, all this paperwork, don't delay treatment, because we need to fill out, you know, all the paperwork for the prior authorizations, the approvals. So it's really about getting better and faster access to services yep. um, in an unhindered way and then rallying everybody around outcomes. So um, employers like eBay have raised their hand and they've made this message very clear to their insurance company partners. Um, and, you know, we, it's, it's, I think it's an incredible way for these very um, innovative employers to also garner a lot of you know, loyalty and honestly, you know, do a better job recruiting because I can, I personally know a lot of families who would probably change jobs to go to an employer who really you know, supported this Amen. kind of coverage. 
and to your point about waiting, Autism Journey with Elijah wrote in and said, we finally found a center, but the wait list does not have an opening until the end of the fall. But as long as we can get into a center to see behind the scenes, we can also go somewhere else if openings arise. This is awesome. We've been fighting for about three years yeah. to get services for ABA therapy. That's, that's that is exactly what the head of benefits at eBay was fighting, uh, you know, for because um, you know they're in the Bay Area and a lot of agencies have closed there, unfortunately. So yeah. they just they're like, what can we do to help our payers get more providers in this area, right? And part of the problem um, in the last couple of years has been just wage inflation on the frontline staff. So right, the average salary of an RBT has gone up substantially but the insurance reimbursement rates haven't kept pace. And right. so agencies literally can't afford to pay frontline staff and right, they can't get anyone to work for them. So they have yeah. to shut their doors. Um, and, you know, that's what, you know, I think eBay and like employers like them are like, this is, this is ridiculous. And uh, two year wait times, unfortunately are not the norm three years. I mean, that's almost it's criminal. Horrible. It's horrible. Um, so I, I, I feel so badly for these parents and part of what um, the eBay program and uh, employers like them who are, are signing up um, is that they are going to, um, they're basically, um, eBay is paying rates that allow uh, providers to actually open offices and provide services in the areas where those kids and families are living. So they're, you know, they're, that's they're amazing. That's that's the goal. We've only got about two minutes left. So tell us what's happening in Washington, D.C., because if we don't have legislation to yeah. help along this line, we're cooked. So what's going on right now? Give us a, a sure. Um, so all the parents who are listening to this, I hope you're you know writing your um, uh, your senators and congressmen. So there's a new uh, act that's out there. It's called the Behavioral Health Information Technology Coordination Act. So kind of a handful, but basically it's providing um, aid for behavioral uh, health clinicians to um, implement electronic medical records. So for the most part, physical medicine providers, right? Like your you know, oncologists or orthopedic surgeons, um, it's a mandate, they have to have electronic medical records. And, and those that software is expensive, but behavioral health clinicians like psychiatrists, psychologists, for the most part were not included. And so this bill is basically providing aid for behavioral health providers. Unfortunately, the problem is they don't consider BCBAs or RBTs or uh, um, part of those behavioral health clinicians, which is absurd, right? It's, I think it's just an oversight um, because there, obviously there's so many kids who are impacted. So really we're trying to um, garner some of our investors and advisors in getting uh, their support in ensuring that we add um, uh, ABA providers on the list so that you know all these big um, and all the ABA companies can receive assistance so they can put in better electronic medical records, right? So the therapists are not walking around with the, the trifold paper trying to do documentation. That's not fair to them or to us. Um, so th that's a bill we are working on it. And um, we are um, both Patrick Kennedy and uh, Senator Bill Frist are helping us, you know, um, uh, get attention to this oversight in the bill. Amazing. So uh, we, for, for parents that are watching this, we want to leave with a little bit of a call to an action. If you're really concerned about uh, outcomes and wanting to know that uh, your ABA provider is going to be able to continue to give you that kind of thing, you, uh, you should visit the website and t take a look around. But then they should, correct me if I'm wrong, they should talk with their ABA provider and with their employer 
That's 100% right. So really it's telling the provider, hey, did you know that there's a service out there that can make documentation easier and help you get better access to the payers, right? So you're not fighting them. And then two, if you work for a large employer, it's really reaching out to your head of benefits and the more noise you can make, the more they're going to know that they can reach out to their um, health insurance companies, right? To actually select a different program that gets you better access um, and just less heartache when it comes to dealing with approvals. So you guys are on LinkedIn, you're on Twitter. What's the website that they would go to? Um, they would go to either spectrumai.com or better yet in LinkedIn, if they just look up, uh, it's link, uh, linkedin.com uh, backslash company backslash uh, Spectrum AI Autism Innovation. Okay. They can just Google Autism Innovation. And yeah. that is all on uh, the, the links um, underneath the, in the description. That's the word I'm trying to find <laughs> for this uh, interview. Yeah. Uh, I just want to thank you for the work that you're doing. And um, I think that it's important. I think that it's vital. And again, I'm grateful that your bright mind is working on it so that mine doesn't have to. You know, um, this in this industry, the reason why there's been so much legislation and progress is all because of parents. So yeah. I'm just simply paying it forward because I know that my kids could not have had the progress uh, they have had without so many parents and you know blood, sweat, and tears along the way. So I'm I'm just trying to be another cog that helps in that big wheel of you know us as a community pushing for what's right for our kids. You're paying it forward. I love it. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you'll come back and give us updates on things and, and how things are going, both awesome. for your family and, and for your company. Thank awesome. you so much. Thank you for having me. You take care. Bye-bye. Uh, you guys, we're out of time. I want to remind you that tomorrow's show, we're doing Stories from the Spectrum. And then on Friday, it's Let's Talk Movies with Moira and Shannon. And we are going to be doing our, our reviews for... Barbie and for Oppenheimer and Mission Impossible and all of that. Um, and a film that I think really everybody in our community should be watching. I'm not going to tell you what. You're going to have to show up on Friday. Uh, we're also going to give you an update on the TACA conference coming up. So all of that. Don't forget that um, we're back live on Monday or not on Monday. I'm away on Monday. Uh, but uh, we're back with a rerun on Monday, and then we're back live Tuesday with Dr. Doreen Grampy Schaefer. Ask Dr. Doreen, and the topic is autism and sleep. So you're not going to want to miss that. Please write in all of your questions about sleep because the whole hour she's going to be answering your questions, okay? Uh, uh, we'll be back tomorrow with stories from the spectrum. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now. If you found anything helpful in this video, please give us a like. In fact, make sure that you smash that subscribe button on YouTube and give us a like on Facebook. You can also follow us on Twitter and on Instagram for important updates. And please download our free podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much. See you next time. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable. 
with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hanna quality for your most precious gift. Hanna soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.